Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Listen, if you're ready to listen, say amen. In Luke chapter 5, verse 4, the Bible says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Go out where it is deeper and let down your nets, and you will catch many fish. Master Simon replied, We worked hard all night last night and didn't catch a thing but if you say so we'll try again and this time their nets were so full they began to tear a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled it's time to fish now that's in keeping with our 2021 theme it's time But to fish, we're talking about that, but I'm going to give you a co-title for it. It's not going to be on the screen. Look at, look at, put verse 5 on the screen again for me, Elder. If you look at the end of verse 5, I'll just read it for you. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all night last night and didn't catch a thing but if you say so listen to what he said we will try again it's time to try again oh that's a mouthful y'all y'all gonna wake up and get this in the sweet by and by pray with me god thank you for your word God, I thank you for each person who's come out today. And, Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that you'd anoint my mouth and my mind, God. Strengthen my body to say the things that you'd have me to say. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is perfect. And I pray that your spirit would teach us today in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time to fish. If you study the Bible, if you know anything about the formation of the first century church, you know that... uh, Quite a few of the Lord's disciples came from what type of employment background? Fishing. These were fishermen, and and Jesus told them that they would stop catching fish and start catching what? Men. They would become fishers of men. So I want you to understand when the Bible is talking about fishing, many times it it is an analogy there of not just getting fish in the boat, which is great, I mean, that, that's what you're supposed to say. Now, I know Elder Jimmy grew up doing a lot of fishing. Did he ever take you fishing? Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. He tells all these fishing stories about him and his sons, and I know he grew up doing a lot of fishing. Here's the right thing to say to somebody when you see him bringing the boat in, coming back into the marina, did you fill the boat? And that's the goal of every fisherman. You want to fill the boat, right? You want to catch your limit. You want to get your limit. And some of y'all get more than your limit. They got, you know, special law enforcement for y'all. But when the Bible talks about fishing, the fisherman's desire is to fill the boat. I want you to know when Jesus told these fishermen that they would catch the souls of mankind, the desire is still, guess what? Fill the boat. 
That's still the desire. And so we're looking here when Jesus, and this is early in Luke's gospel. And this, this is, this is a, one, one, one of the early meetings of the disciples when they were still full-fledged fishing. And they, they're out there and they're fishing. And Jesus comes up on them and gives them some advice. Now, the, one of the original mission statements for our church is to reach North Florida and beyond for Christ. And God has called every Christian to be fishers of men. Let me tell you what the mission of every church is, no matter what they say it is in their pamphlet. It is to reach and teach. It's to reach people with the life-saving message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is to teach them how to become fully devoted followers of God. But we, we want to fill the boat. We want to be the right kind of fishers of men because we want to reach the lost and teach the saved. And God reminded me of something this week, something that I'd seen before, something that I'd preached before, but that we had kind of just settled back into, and, 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 and it's this, fishing on the wrong side of the boat. See, here's the thing about life. Everybody has uh, a, a default. Everybody's got uh, their, their own uh, gear that, that they revert back to. Some of y'all are just slow walkers, and if somebody doesn't speed you up, you would just drag your feet through wherever you're walking, um, and you just go slow. Some of you are fast walkers, and if you got a little kid walking with you, they have to slow you down. Everybody's got a pace. Everybody's got a speed. But if you're not being controlled by an outside influence, you revert back to your norm. Are you following me? In everything in life, your habits, your day-to-day -day routine, the way you go about your life, the way you worship or don't worship God, the way you serve or don't serve God, you will revert to your norm, and we typically end up calling that being in a rut. Because the rut is the deep groove in the dirt road that kind of just pulls your car right back down into that groove. Are you following me? If you've ever paid attention, and I know some of you haven't, but there's a rut in every road, not just dirt roads. There's a rut on the interstate. You get on 295, you can see in the dead middle of the lane, you can see a different color of asphalt. Anybody beside my boys who I taught to drive know why that asphalt's colored different right there? I'm going to help you all out. All these old cars leaking oil right there, right down the middle, right out of that oil pan in the middle of a car. And you can see wear marks where the tires have decided where we're going to drive on this street. Now, here's the crazy thing. I watch for these marks when I drive. Some of them aren't even in the middle of the road because that group of people that drove there all the time, they, and, and my kids do this, one cheats to the inside lane because he can see it out his driver's window. The other one cheats to the outside lane because he doesn't want to get hit in a head-on. And people have their comfort zone. They have their default where they default to the norm. And if you're not being controlled by something other than yourself, you're going to default to your norm. That's why when I'm driving, I have to tell Seth, don't ride on that middle line. He said, I'm good, Dad. I can see it. You're too close to that middle line. Get in the middle of the road. And I have to tell Jake, man, you're about to run in the grass, boy. Get off this outside lane. No, Dad, I'm good. He just doesn't want to be close to the middle. But they both have this reverting to their norm. But when I'm in the car, 
with them. I'm always guiding them back and correcting their reverting to the norm. And listen, if you don't get anything out of this message, understand this. If you want to be all that God wants you to be, you got to constantly allow him to correct you off of your norm. Because you'll drift back into your rut. You'll drift back into your comfort zone. You'll drift back. In, and then before long, you'll sit there and think, man, I said I was going to pray more this year. I said I was going to do this. I said I was going to get involved. I said I was going this, 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 and this. And you just comfort zone right back in to that groove of life. And I, and I want to expose something today because uh, part of my job is to shine light in the darkness. And I want to expose some, something that is not really hidden, but people act like it's hidden. The rut is never where you need to be when it comes to serving God. You don't need to stay in your comfort zone. God wants to stretch you. He wants to expand you. He wants to get greater glory from you. That's why the Bible says he wants to take us from glory to glory, one level of his glory to the next. But in our text, uh, the disciples are out, and they've been out fishing all night, and they've caught nothing, but then they end up catching a bunch. And, and here's the difference. Look at verse, what verse we're going to look at? Put verse 4 back on the screen for me, Elder. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper. Now he's already asked him, Did you catch anything? They said, No, we fished all night. Now these are professional fishermen. These people own their own boats. Uh, Simon Peter and his brother, Andrew, they own the boat. James and John own the boat. They own at least a couple boats. And they're out fishing all night long. And this is their job. Could you imagine fishing all night long and it be your job and you can't catch a fish? It's discouraging to go out fishing all the time. Now, me and Gail's dad, we used to talk about it all the time because every now and then she would come fishing with us. And we used to fish a lot together, and it was a long drive. We, we would go fish down on a place called Horseshoe Beach, which no one's ever heard of. You ever, you ever fish out of Horseshoe? Great fishing down there. Uh, it's where the... Uh, What's that river? River dumps into the Gulf. Huh? No. Um, the Swanee's where the Swanee River dumps into the Gulf of Mexico. And a lot of great fishing down there. And uh, two, two hour plus drive, dragging a boat. But we would go, and sometimes Gail would want to get up and go with us. And it was an early morning drive. And she would get bored quick. And we would tell her all the time, why do you want to come fishing? She said, because I like fishing. And we finally had to just let her know, baby, you don't like fishing. You like catching. And there's a difference between people who like fishing and who like catching. Somebody that goes fishing ought to say amen. And, and, and see, because people that go fishing are just happy to be out on the water. But people that like catching, if nothing's biting, and this, this would be Gail, man, I tell you, the gospel truth. 15 minutes of no bite, her pole was in the boat, her bathing suit was on, and she was laying down in the front of the boat. You could have got a tan at home. You're out here, you know, moving around, making noise. We're trying to fish. But when you are pleasure fishing, not catching fish can still be fun if you love to go fishing because you're out on the water, you're doing what you want to do. But if it's your job, 
You better go catch some fish. You don't want to be out all night. You're not just out there. You're not the guy with the bumper sticker saying a bad day fishing is better than a good day working because they are working. So they need to be catching fish. They, 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 they weren't the guys who said, uh, I don't care if all I catch is a 12-pack. They weren't out there to catch a 12-pack. It was their job was to catch fish. I remember one time we went, oh, my goodness. We were up in the mountains, way up in the mountains uh, in North Georgia. And they got a beautiful lake up there called Carter's Lake. And I found who is the best fishing guide on this whole lake because we are going to tear it up. We are going to go out there and tear it up. I paid a guy $700 to take us out in the boat. We had to meet him at 5 o'clock in the morning, and he already had the boat in the water, was looking at his watch. We get there, and we get in the boat. We stepped on the boat, and at 5 o'clock, we were driving off, and we fished all day. He drug us to every little special hole, every honey hole he had. And I want to tell you, this is the God's honest truth. Listen, preachers will lie to you, but I'm telling the truth right now. They shouldn't, but sometimes they do. This is true. All day we fished. We never saw a fish. We never saw a bite. We never heard a, a, a blip in the water. This guy drug us everywhere across this lake. He had a fish finder. He never saw a fish on his fish finder. After about five hours of this, I finally asked him, I said, well, let me ask you this, man. What kind of discount you got for dragging me out here at 5 o'clock in the morning and not catching any fish? He said, oh, it's the experience. I said, I didn't come out here for the experience. I could have came out here by myself for the experience. You're supposed to be the captain of the water. Uh, but we were out. If you are a professional fisherman, should you be able to catch fish, yes or no? Yes, these are professional fishermen. They go out there and get this. Jesus, by trade, is a what? He's a carpenter. I want to let you know for sure. Fishermen do not take fishing advice from land lovers. They do not take fishing advice from people who don't own a boat or own their own fishing. Jesus didn't own any fishing gear. Jesus had no nets. He wasn't a fisherman, but he told these people, did you catch anything? Listen, I know from experience, if you go out and you don't catch anything, and the thing people always want to know, did y'all tear it up today? Did y'all feel the, did y'all tear it up today? That's code for, did y'all feel the boat? That's code for, did you catch your limit? That's code for, did you get a lot of fish? And man, if you got nothing and you walk in and somebody's getting out of their boat and they got four stringers and they're walking and you caught nothing all day long and they're like, how'd y'all do today? Did y'all hit it good? That's more fishing code for, guess what? Did y'all tear it up? Which is code for what? Did you fill the boat? Which is code for what? Did y'all catch a lot of fish? Now, if you got none of that, you're like, hmm, did I tear it up? Shut up. How about that? Mind your business. Where about your fish? Did I fill the boat, man? We didn't, and they saw nothing. And they got this carpenter. And that sounds a little mockery to me. That sounds a little bit, I mean, this is God. He knows they caught nothing. They're there with nothing. They got no fish. And he's like, 
How'd y'all do? Did you tear it up? Did you build a boat? Did you catch a bunch? They're like, oh, we didn't catch nothing. And he said, well, go out where it's deeper and let down your nets and you will catch many fish. I want you to know that if they had been the average church member, they would have looked at the Lord and said no. Who are you to tell me how to fish? This was, they were in their own boat with their own professional fishing gear on the one lake that they fished for a career. They knew that lake. And if somebody comes up to you and says, Have, are you doing good at this? And then they say, and you say, well, it ain't going great. And they say, well, why, why don't you make this tweak right here? You'd be like, make this tweak. Man, I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. You don't tell me to make a tweak. How about you make a tweak? Why don't you step off, tweak yourself? I'll worry about me. And that's how the average mind works. Are y'all following me? People don't like to be told to do something different. The, the, the recurring phrase, and this, this is the phrase, and, and this is why I thank God I didn't step in to an existing deal. We started our own deal. Uh, we, we started with 16 people at Abundant Life um, uh, 20 years ago, and I didn't have to hear what, the, what every new pastor's least favorite expression is. Well, we never done it that way before. That's what church folk love to tell a preacher. God will tell a preacher, let's do this. And, 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 and the church folk will pull them off the side. Well, we never done it that way before. Well, we've always done it this way. Church people don't like to do anything new because they think that repetition is right. Listen, if you're not tearing it up, if you're not filling the boat, if you're not catching your limit, you might ought to do something different. Amen? And I want to tell you something right now by the power and the authority of God's word. It is time to do something different because that rut keeps pulling you back into it. And Jesus said, go out where it is deeper and let down your nets and you will catch many fish. They caught nothing all night long, but then they caught a ton of fish. Why? Because they went deeper. Abundant Life, I came to tell you this morning, it's time to go deeper. It's time for me to go deeper. It's time for our worship team to go deeper. It's time for everybody to go deeper in the spirit realm. You see, I, I, I believe that we do a good job of fishing for souls on Sunday morning. The gospel is preached. The, the truth is heard. I only have one text and I tell people about the cross every Sunday. So we do, we do some fishing on Sunday morning. We get our praise and worship. We got our greeters in place. We got people hammering signs into the ground on Sunday morning. We're, I mean, that's, that's like setting your trout line. We're just doing all the, the stuff for proper fishing on Sunday morning. But we need to catch more fish. And if we need to catch more fish... Guess what? I'm going to tell you again. We need to go deeper. We need to go deeper. Now, I'm not talking about putting more bodies in these purple chairs. Y'all know I don't care anything about that. I'm talking about reaching more men and women and boys and girls with the life-changing message that Jesus is alive. I'm talking about leading more people to Christ. I'm talking about blessing more people. I'm talking about honoring God and representing him in the earth in a more clear fashion. We need to go deeper, deeper in worship. And, and that's, that's everybody in this room from the worship team all the way to the sound booth. 
We need to go deeper because here's the reality. You can choose to worship God whether you like the song or not, or you can choose to stand there and stare. But God sees you. God sees you. And I want you to get this in your mind. God knows everything. And when you come into the house of the Lord and we give you an opportunity to worship God, you ought to worship Him. You ought to worship Him when, when we would go, when, when Gail was alive, and we would go up to Pennsylvania every year, and we would see her family up there, and we would see the kid's great-grandmother who lived to be 99 years old and loved the Lord. My kids never did it, but I was always on watchful. When we would go somewhere or we would have the cake and we would sing to uh, great-grandma, I always looked at my kids and they better have a smile on their face and they better be looking her in her eye singing to her. Why? Because that's what we were there to do. We were there to celebrate an important person. I need you to understand, when we come to worship God in this place, He is watching you. He is looking. Are you looking at God? Are you smiling on God? Are you singing to Him? It's time to go deeper because we need to catch more fish deeper in the Word. Some of you don't even read the proverb of the day. I try to make it easy on you. I'm a practical guy. I don't try to give you something that's too hard to accomplish. We, we read the proverb of the day together. Start your morning off reading whatever chapter in Proverbs corresponds to that day of the month and it'll it listen it'll take you about four minutes on average if, if you're just a, a a medium place reader four minutes or less to read that some of you don't even do that some of you do that but you don't read the book of the month some of you read the book of the month and the proverb but you know that you sit around and watch five hours of television every night I knew when I said that. It, it, it's so quiet in here, I could hear a roach fart in a sound booth. I wasn't supposed to say that. Listen, it's time to get in your, in your Bible. Some of you have been waiting forever thinking, you know, one day I'm going to learn this book. One day I'm going to become a student of God's Word. One day I'm going to really be who God called me to be. And listen, it doesn't matter how much you already know. And, 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 and I, I'm going to help out a lot of young people, a lot of novice Christians. Let, let me let you know this. I want you to live long enough to get to the place where you can say what every mature Christian ever said. That the more they learn about God and His Word, the more they realize they don't know anything at all. They haven't even scratched. We, we got novice Christians walking around thinking, I know the Bible. Listen. We got to get deep in our word. God gave us one book, and it is time to get deeper in the word, deeper in prayer, deeper in giving. Oh, I said it. We've got to begin to press in more. The only way the Bible says to advance God's kingdom is by force. God's kingdom will not be advanced in Jacksonville, Florida, just by riding down the road in the middle of the rut. God's kingdom is not going to be advanced. I've been saying it for years, and I want to repent publicly right now because there was a time where I did a better job of it, and, and, and Cheryl knows my heart because she's heard it, and, and, and I know it's her heart too. 
I have not been praying for Chicago the way I should. And I want this church to start praying for the city of Chicago. Listen, the fact that we know every name in the world that was killed by a cop, uh, and I thank God for justice, and I thank God for people being held accountable, but I tell you this, how, how many people... Uh, can tell me who, who George Floyd is. Anybody know who George Floyd is? Uh-huh, y'all don't want to raise y'all's hands. Listen, and anybody know who Trayvon is? Anybody know who Trayvon is? Eric Garner? I, I, name after name after, let me ask you this. Anybody know who Jaleesa Adams is? Seven-year-old girl in a McDonald's took six in her chest. And here's the great thing that happened, and it made me realize this happened without my prayer, and I need to be praying more. They finally had something happen that changed the game. They caught this 21-year-old young African-American gang-banging man. They caught him because somebody in Chicago finally snitched. We got people living in fear. Do you know what they call Chicago? They don't just call it the Windy City. Anybody know what the original name for Chicago is for America? Well, yeah, they call that that now, but it's original. It's America's second city. It's the second city of America. And that listen, we know the names of these people. I mean, Michael Brown. That's three, four years ago. We still know Michael Brown's name, but over a dozen. People get shot and killed every week in Chicago, and nobody's saying anything about it. So here's what I'm going to do. Part of my going deeper, I, and listen, my prayers aren't magic. My prayers no better than your prayer. Uh, God, God, God don't play favorites like that. But I, I know that the murder capital of this country, I know that the most people getting murdered uh, in America are not getting murdered on TV. They're not having say. Then nobody gonna say her name. Ain't nobody gonna give her a gold coffin and a horse-drawn carriage. Ain't nobody gonna hold a rally or a march for her. She's just a seven-year-old dead girl with her. Her daddy took her to McDonald's to buy her a Happy Meal because he loved his daughter, and now she's dead, and nobody cares. Oh, y'all ain't as mad as I am about it. But I'm mad, I'm sure mad about it because uh, we get led into, in, into hysteria by the media and we want to march and burn buildings down and we want to riot. I'm going to tell you the truth. If anybody, if there ought to be rioting for anybody, it's a seven-year-old girl trying to get a happy meal with her dad sitting innocent in a drive-thru. Man, we got to go deeper in prayer. Maybe some of y'all want to join me. We need to see everybody's talking about, well, what we, what we needed, defund the police, police reform. And there, is, and there needs to be some police reform. There needs to be some greater level of training. But listen, we got to stop the murderous life of everybody's getting killed in Chicago. We don't snitch. Every big city in America has got, got this motto. We don't, cops can't find out anything. I don't know how it was here, Hugo. I don't know if Jacksonville people snitch or not. Um, Nope, but they sure don't snitch in big cities. 
And I'm so glad somebody came forward and told the police what this 21-year-old man's name is because while we're riding and marching for justice for career criminals and drug addicts, I'm I'm just glad that somebody's going to be held accountable for this 7-year-old girl and her daddy who's in the hospital. I'm telling y'all the truth. You watch and see. We are going deeper because I am going deeper, and the people that are serious about following God, we're going to go deeper in prayer. We're going to go deeper in evangelism. Listen, it's time. I've been telling y'all it's time, and God is exploding this in my heart right now. Listen to what the Word says in John 21. See, in the beginning of Luke's gospel, he, he runs up on these fishermen, and he throws some carpenter advice at him. They take it. And it works for him. Now, at the end of John's gospel, in John 21, verse 4, the Bible says, At dawn, the disciples saw Jesus standing on the beach, but they couldn't see who he was. Now, this is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He's already gone through his earthly ministry. In verse 5, he called out, Friends, <laughs> same thing he told them when he was first getting to know them. Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Now, I'm just wondering in my mind, because I, I guarantee you, if I could find that captain, and he's, he's famous in that, in that river up there in Ella J, Georgia. He's famous right there on the border, uh, the highest part of where Georgia goes all the way up into North Carolina. He's famous in there. Oh, you got to get captain steal your money. He's going to fill the boat. <laughs> if I ever see captain stole my money, I promise you his story is this. He, he would tell me, you know, Scott, you're the only person I ever took out and didn't catch. He didn't catch a fish all day long. First time ever happened to me, hadn't happened to me since. Because professional fishermen know how to catch fish. Now, here comes Jesus. This is about, this about three years later. From, no, this is about two years later. Uh, 18, 18 months and two years later, Jesus comes up on them, and he tells them, have you caught any fish? Now, they didn't recognize who he was at first, but they should have they realized that. Last time they didn't catch any fish all night long. Somebody eased up on them, and it was the Lord. Now, here he comes with this same thing. Hey, friends, y'all catch any fish? Nope. Verse 6 says, then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get plenty of fish. Now, they don't know who he is. They don't recognize him. They are professional fishermen. They own their boat. They own the gear. They know the lake. They've been out. <laughs> he said, throw your net out on the right-hand side of the boat. I wish I could have been inside their head to hear what they're saying. Oh, duh. Like we, it, it's, it's funny. I've been fishing with people. We'll be fishing on one side of the boat, and there'll be nothing. And, you know, the boat will be as, as, as wide as these steps. And, and somebody will say, you know what, I'm going to try to cast off over here. I'm thinking, we are in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. We're nine miles out. You really think that eight feet's going to make a big difference? And like, and Elder Jimmy's like, let me tell you what. It will, and fish, listen, there's no fisherman in the world who ever went out and fished and didn't catch a fish that it didn't dawn on him. Uh, I'm going to fish off this side for a minute. I'm going to fish off the front for a minute. I'm going to fish off the back for a minute. Get too bad, we're going to pull up anchor, drive five more miles, and fish in a totally different spot. Jesus said, throw your net on the right hand side. 
They didn't give him any lip. I wish we had a bunch of church members like that. Uh, you just tell them what to do, and they're like, okay. <laughs> Throw your net off the right side of the boat. He said, and you'll get plenty of fish. And, and, and three of the greatest words in all of fellowship. So they did. So they did what? They did what the Lord told them. And I'm going to tell you this today. If you just begin to do what the Lord tells you to do, your harvest is promised. Your harvest is already there. They did it, and they couldn't draw in the net because there were so many fish. Listen, it worked before, and it worked again. I'm going to say it again because you missed it. It worked before, and it worked again. What worked before will work again. Some of you used to be closer to God. You need to go back and do your what the Bible calls your first works all over again. You need to start reading the Bible like you used to when you really love the Lord. You need to start listening to gospel music like you used to when you really love the Lord. You need to start cutting some people out of your life like you used to. You need to start sharing your faith openly. We need to go deeper. Listen, because it ain't working. It's working a little bit, but it can work a whole lot better. First thing they did, they went deeper. Now they went to the other side of the boat. Listen, we preach the gospel in this building every week. That's the water that's close to shore. That's that's the safe place. That that's the easy place to talk about Jesus. You can lift up your hands and bless the Lord. But listen, we need to go deeper and we need to go to the other side. We need to go further and we need to go to do some things that we haven't done in a minute. Now the sad reality, most churches do all of their fishing from one side of the boat. Most of them do all of their fishing from inside the church. And I believe it's time we cast our nets on the other side. I believe that we concentrate more on outreach than we've been count concentrating on outreach. Because if you only fish on one side of the boat, you're not probably going to fill the boat up. We need to get the kingdom of God out of the church and into the street. We need to get the kingdom of God out of the church and into the school, out of the church and into the businesses, out of the church and into the community because the community is not going to come to church, so we're going to have to take it to them. Oh, I wish I had five. I wish I had some militant people in this room right now that knew how to take something to the streets. I wish I had some militant. Listen, we can get people to take it to the streets, especially if in the middle of the pandemonium they can knock down some glass and steal a TV from Walmart, Target, get a bunch of phones from the Apple store. I wonder how they get them phones turned on. I ain't going to investigate it too much because I don't need to be at the next riot trying to upgrade my phone. We need to go deeper, and we need to go to the other side. About 12 years ago, I attended a conference about prayer evangelism uh, with, with, with a man named Ed Silvoso. And I got called out in two different buildings by two different pastors while I was there. And I was, they only had all week long two people get called out and it was the same dude from Jacksonville, Florida, both times. Me. And I was prophesied over by two different pastors. One, Ed Savoso from Argentina, and another one, Pastor John from Hawaii. And they spoke some things into my life. And here's what's crazy. We were in 
Clay County at that point. And they prophesied to me things about Jacksonville. And I'm thinking, hmm, I don't know if I can trust your word, sir. You're prophesying about what God's going to do through our ministry in Jacksonville, and we're not in Jacksonville. Maybe you're thinking Metro Jacksonville. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I thought maybe you're thinking greater Jacksonville area. But guess where we are now? Mm. And I learned some things in. Listen, we came, I came back from that meeting, and we started doing prayer evangelism. We started walk, walking up and down the streets and praying over there. And within a week of us doing that, I was flat on my back in the hospital with what they say might have been a TIA. Uh, it's a transient ischemic attack. It's like a mini stroke. Uh, my my, my uh, head shut down. Well, we were in a staff meeting one day, five people on one side of the desk, me on this side of the desk, and it's the same thing every week. I'd sit there and try to stay awake while each, each department would give their report, and I'd be like, okay, well, they're going to finish talking, and then I'm going to say what I need to say. And uh, it was early in the morning. I was a little tired that day. Um, like many days, uh, I, I went to bed this morning at about 6.45 and got up at 8.08. Okay, so it was one of those kind of days, and I, I was a little tired, and I, I knew I was having some problem focusing on what they were saying, but I, I kind of drifted off, and when I looked up, all five of them were on my side of the desk. Nobody comes on my side of the desk. Pete, when, when Dina comes to bring me something, she hands for my, she, she don't come stand and lean over my shoulder, and, you know, they're all leaning over my shoulder, and I'm like, what are y'all doing? One of them's on the phone dialing 911. I said, put my phone down. And I'm like, this was this way back when we had landlines, amen? <laughs> 12 years ago. And, and I'm like, what, what are y'all doing? And they're like, Pastor, something's wrong. I said, what, what do you mean? I dozed off. They're like, no, you were blank faced for the last three minutes. We, we've, been trying, we've been trying to get you to, to, to come together and I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, Just whatever, y'all leave me alone. And, but then my words started not coming together good that day, and I started having some symptoms of, of a stroke. So I ended up going to the hospital. They kept me for a week, ran every test in the world, couldn't find anything wrong with me, uh, thereby validating what I already believed about hospitals. Um, $400,000 in medical bills and, uh, sent me home. Came back home, and we were, we were staking off property. We were praying over stuff. You remember that? I don't know if you even remember it, uh, Deacon Scott. That night I was bending down with that little orange hammer in my hand, nailing in a stake. Uh, we had stakes that said, Jesus is Lord, and we were claiming property for God, and we were doing prayer evangelism. And I had another mini-stroke, and, and, and Deacon Scott Mills grabbed me before I hit my head on the concrete. When I fell over face first. Um, and, and had to get me right in the beginning of this prayer evangelism, right in the beginning of applying this teaching, and here's what's happened. The last 12 years, ton of stuff, been through lots of stuff in the last 12 years. Uh, uh, broke my back twice. People, people ask, no, nobody in this room knows how I broke my back twice. I broke my back the first time. Um, one of the boys had... Push one of my lawnmowers over a stump. Let me tell you, don't, don't drive a push mower on top of a stump. You're going to bend the blade. 
or at least you're going to strip the nut out. So I'm trying to get the blade off, and I can't get it off with a socket set. So I put my cordless drill on it. I can't get it off with a cordless drill. I'm like, okay, y'all going to make me break out the big dog. I'll get my corded DeWalt. I'll break this thing loose. Wouldn't break off. The thing was bent. So I had to throw the lawnmower in the back of the truck, drive it up to the lawn shop. They had to put an impact wrench on it, strip it all out, refit everything, put the push mower back in my navigator. I drive back to the house. My driveway's got a slight incline. I hit the button. Lift gate goes up. I, I see that it's, it's rolling out. So I'm like, oh, snap. Now here's the truck. It's rolling out. The handle's coming out first. Well, it's falling. I catch the handle, and as I try to catch, this side's falling quicker because that's the engine. I catch that, and it twisted me around, and I laid there, and my back was locked up. Back was broke. Ended up having a back surgery. Then about a year after that, um, me and the boys were hiking on a waterfall in Asheville, or outside of Asheville, North Carolina. We were up in Boone somewhere, and we saw this waterfall every day driving to our cabin. And we were like, we're going to get to that. We're going we're gonna to find it. Couldn't, couldn't see how to get to it. There was no road getting to it. So Dina was up there. She was driving, and we were riding. And I'm like, park right here. Let's just walk through the woods and see if we can get to this glorious waterfall that everybody could see from a distance. We get to this spot. Now, here we are. I got me, Seth, Jake, and Dina. And we get to this spot, and there's this white rock, big, giant white rock, piled up 10, 12 feet high, signs, three signs down this whole section. You couldn't get around it. Um, it. It said, do not proceed past this point. Hikers have died on this cliff. Hey, now. Now we got something. Now we're talking about something. I'm like, all right, y'all go back to the car. I'm going to get on this waterfall. And, and, and my boys, they're, they're like, can we go? Yeah, y'all can go. Dina said, I'll be in the van. <laughs> she's smart, right? That's why she signs the checks. So we, it was an effort to climb over these rocks. Now, I'm, I'm about seven months off of back surgery. Um, and, and I'm like, we're going to get over it. We get over these rocks, climb down. To, we're all scratched up, and that white rock powder's all over us. And we walk out on this waterfall. This waterfall is as wide as this whole property. And dry spots on it where you can walk on it. I've done a lot of climbing in my life, and I know how to walk on stuff. And I know where, what, what dry rock and wet rock looks like. And I, if that rock changes color, you better be careful. So I'm walking on it. Rock didn't change color. Nothing happened. I fell 90 feet tumbling down a waterfall. I'm laying out flat on my stomach. I'm trying to get all the friction I can. I'm trying. You can't grab nothing when you're sliding down a waterfall. There's nothing to grab. The, the rock is smooth as glass because it had water running on it for a 1,000 years. And I stop before I go over the edge. If you ever want to see it, I've got it on my phone. Uh, I had my phone. I was walking around talking in my phone. My phone uh, tumbling, falling, me falling. Uh, I should have let the phone go. I held on to the phone, though. <laughs> You know how my phones are, man. They're expensive. And I'm laying there at the end of this fall, and you can hear on the video Seth screaming, I'm coming, Dad! Well, you know, it's, it's 10 years ago. He was six. I got this boy climbing on Death Hill at six. 
I used to be more adventurous. Uh, and I thank God for children that listen. I said, stop. And they stopped. And they're all worried because they just seen what happened. I'm, I'm way down here now. You know, they're, they're, they're up at the sound booth. I'm, I'm, I'm down by the fence on the property. And, and, they're, and I tell them, don't, don't come down here. It's wet. We're going to come get you. No, I go back and get in the van with, with, with Dina. Because I'm figuring climbing back up this thing might not end well. And it just been a couple years prior they'd seen their mother die. And I didn't want them to see their father die. Uh, and, but anyway, by God's grace, I'm still here. Obviously, the rock, I survived the rock fall. Uh, but that, that was the second time I broke my back. And then about a year and a half later, they opened up that Autobahn. You need to go if you hadn't been. That, that racing, indoor racing, go-karts, 55 miles an hour, half inch off the ground. And so I get in there, and I'm thinking, no, I'm not supposed to be doing this kind of stuff. But I just love adventure and daredevil action. Um, and people are like, Pastor, you shouldn't try to do that stuff. You're always getting hurt. I get hurt about one out of every 300,000 crazy things I do. So I, I, I like the odds. And I was just going to let the kids do it. And I saw it, and I'm like, I can do that. They got harnesses, big helmets. It's safe. Um, and so I get in that thing, and, and I'm riding around. And they keep flagging me for, for, for banging into people. I'm just wide open. I'm going. I'm banging off walls, and they're, they're, you know, whistling me, waving at me, and I'm acting like I don't see them, because I'm a win. And I'm going on this straightaway, and this yahoo, that's Christian cussing, this yahoo has turned sideways on the track, but he's at the high side. And I know I can get under him and keep going, and everybody else is going to get stopped, and I'm going to win. I got my foot through the floorboard. I'm pressed down 55 miles an hour. And I guess this dude panicked or whatever happened. He let his foot off the brake and he rolled down to the bottom of the track. And I never lifted off. And I blacked out when I hit him. And when I came to, the track, all the lights were on. The people were around me um, with shoulder harnesses on. I chipped my tooth on the steering wheel because uh, my head smashed down. Um, Broke my neck. Uh, I come to, and they're all standing around me, and I'm like, wow, that feel, felt like a real car wreck. <laughs> Hillbilly worker sitting there like, a real car wreck? Son, you just came to a complete stop from 55 miles an hour. You look, you ain't dead. <laughs> so... Say all that to say a lot's been going on. Uh, over this last 10 years uh, since, since, since we stopped doing uh, this type of evangelistic effort. Um, moved churches, been through a lot of stuff, but today God has put in my heart to share these verses with you, and I want to share these verses with you because I'm ready. Listen, I'm ready to catch more fish. Not for me, but for God. I'm ready to be more spiritual. Not for me, but for God. I'm ready to be more in my word, more in prayer, more worshipful. I don't know if there's anybody in the room that would be willing to say, I will go with you, pastor, but it's better. Uh, two is better than one, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. And I hope there's some people that want to go deeper.
and fish off both sides of the boat with me. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read some verses. We're going to get out of here. In Luke 10, 1, the Bible says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them out ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few, so pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you or a traveler's bag or an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, May God's peace be on this house. If those that live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. So here we see how Jesus did evangelism. Here we see how Jesus sent his followers out to reach the community for Christ. He sends his disciples out, the Bible says, to prepare the, the places that he planned to visit. Listen, I'm still believing God is going to visit Jacksonville, Florida. So we got to go out and we got to prepare the places that he is coming to visit. There's a fourfold strategy I want to talk to you about right now. Uh, Jesus said in verse 1, he chose 72 disciples, sent them out in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were instructions to him. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. The first thing he tells them to do before they even go is to pray. Say pray. We got to pray more. We got to pray more. We got to pray specifically that God will send more workers into the field. I mean, you can't look anywhere in the world without seeing the harvest is plentiful. There's hurting people in Jacksonville, Florida. There's hurting people in the five-county area. There's hurting people all around the world. And we need to pray that God would send some more workers who would say, wherever he leads, I'll follow. Whatever he calls me to do, I'll do. Some of you have been sitting on the sidelines for so long, believing in your mind that you're going to get involved. Listen, you are about to get caught, hear me good, in a prayer trap. Because I'm praying that God's going to send more workers. And some of y'all, it don't necessarily mean more people coming to this church. It means more people in this church going to work. Y'all not hearing me, but you're going to get caught in this prayer trap because the first thing God wants us to do is to start praying to the Lord to ask Him, God, send more workers. Send more workers who will actually get involved and do ministry. It's great to show up to come to church, but we need workers to go out and to catch souls for the kingdom of God. After prayer, he gives them this fourfold strategy. Listen to it. First thing, he says, speak peace. He, you you, you got to ask God. He said, ask God to let his peace be on your house. He said in verse 5, whenever you enter someone's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. I want you to get in the habit when you walk through a doorway. 
And my friend Ed Savoso, listen, don't Google me and say, I heard this about it. I don't agree with anything in, everything anybody does. Uh, there's some things I agree with him about, some things I don't. He calls me his grandson, uh, and I call him father. Uh, he, he, he's been a blessing to me, and I know this for sure. Every time he walks into through a doorway, he says it out loud. May God's peace be on this place. And I thought, man, that is a good habit to be in, Ed. You do that everywhere? He says, I do that everywhere. When you walk home today, you walk through your doorway, you ought to just say outside your mouth, may God's peace be on this house. You go into a restaurant. You, 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 uh, Chiron is not here today or she's in some other part of the, of, of the property right now. Saw her uh, at Shut em Down last time we were in there. When, when you walk in to shut them down or wherever you go to eat, you ought to ask immediately, may God's peace be on this place. Now, let me show you where some people got their theology messed up. Some people got bad theology out of this verse by reading it in 500-year-old uh, English. Listen to what verse 5 says in a different translation. Whenever you enter a home, give it your blessing. <laughs> I want to tell you something. You don't have a blessing. Well, this spawned a bunch of foolish religion, and some of y'all might partake in it. And if you do, please see me after church, because if you really believe you can name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, if you really believe you can just speak things into existence, come see me, because I want you to speak. Uh, I want you to speak those uh, cards right there into uh, money. I want you to speak these fake flowers into gold. If uh, people walking around says, I declare and I decree prosperity for me. People are like, I speak. And people, people took this antiquated King's English and thought, well, I speak my blessing over you. That makes you important. If you don't get anything, get this proper theology. Stop thinking that you're important and start being humble and asking God blessing on somebody else. I'm going to tell you this. Henry West knows I love him as much as anybody. on You know that? He knows I love him as much as anybody alive, including my own children. And if, if, if I wanted to do something good for Henry, if I, if, if I asked you, would you rather me say, Henry West, I bless you. I speak my blessing over you. Or, or if I say, do you want me to pray humbly and ask God to bless you? You know the answer to that. It ain't in what we say for ourselves. It's in what we ask God. God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. Don't walk around thinking that you've got power to speak blessing on people. You've got relationship with God to ask God to release his blessing on somebody. And this is what we need to do. He said, uh, put, put that other ver translation up for me. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. How cool would it be if somebody came over to your house, and even if they didn't make a show out of it, which we're not going to make a show out of it, but you found out as they walked in to your house, they asked Jehovah God to let his peace be on your home. Wouldn't that be awesome, Vicky? That's what we need to do for each other. If everybody that walked into this place today would have just, as they were coming in, just humbly said to God, God, just please let your peace be on this place today. Anybody think that would make a difference? It's the first thing. Well, after prayer, Jesus gives them this fourfold strategy. 
First thing he says, everywhere you go, ask for God's peace to be on that place. I'm going to start doing it. You, uh, I, I need to start eating at your McDonald's because I eat at McDonald's on Fleming every day. I, I, I'm going to start asking God's peace to be. Listen, and they need it. When I tell them a, a plain McChicken and they put that lettuce and that mayonnaise on my chicken, I'm like, Can, you want $15 an hour and you don't know what a plain McChicken looks like? But anyway, it's, listen, this is a great message for me. Instead of complaining and being upset because they messed up my chicken again, I get the same thing. It, that app is so awesome. I get the same. Y'all better get that McDonald's app. I get the same thing every day for lunch. I drive through to McDonald's on Fleming Island, and I tell them I want a plain McChicken and a large Dr. Pepper, and they say that'll be $2.88 at the first window, and I'm thinking, no, it won't. Because I got my app pulled up, and every day the drink is free. That's a dollar plus the tax, a dollar seven. I just show them my phone. I know them all now, so I just read the four digits off to them. And they, they, it goes from 288 to a dollar 81. And I just sit there, and I'm thinking, I wonder if they're going to mess this chicken up again today. <laughs> but I'm going deeper. I'm going deeper. And the Bible says you're snared by the words of your mouth. What you say out of your mouth, God expects you to perform. And instead of sitting there wondering if these people are going to mess up this easy, same order every day, when I pull up to that drive through window, I'm going to ask, and I look inside that store, I'm going to ask God to let his peace be on that place. Y'all watch something good happen to the McDonald's in Fleming Island. What if you just started asking God's peace to be on your neighbor's houses as you drove by them? On businesses as you drove by them? Well, I just don't think that'd work. Well, you don't know the God of the Bible. Jesus wouldn't have told him to do something if it didn't work. And if it worked then, it'll work now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You walk on your job tomorrow. You, you, walk, you, you, you drive on that parking lot. Start asking God, God, let your peace be on this parking lot. We got to pray before it hits the fan. Because I don't care what they do. Well, we're going to pass common sense gun laws. We're going to pass, we're going to get tough on guns. We're going to get tough on crime. We're going to take AR 15s away from you. AR 15s are used in less than 2% of all killings in America. The 9 millimeter is used in over 90%. Am I right, Hugo? It's that 9 that they're, that they're clicking out there. You want to take a gun away from somebody, you can take that rifle away from them, you ain't done a thing. You take that pistol away from them, listen, you still haven't done a thing because extra, extra, read all about it. If you haven't noticed, criminals don't obey laws. They're still going to have theirs. Well, we're going we're gonna to have a buyback program, and, and they're about to do it. They're, they're already doing it right now. It's um, some cities. They're, they're, they're taking people's weapons away from them. Well, well, we're not taking them away from you. We're going to buy them back from you. Listen, what, you take all those weapons away from people who are willing to turn them in. You think Ray Ray's turning his nine in? Y'all got me bent. Y'all tripping. Ain't nobody getting my Nina. Ray Ray's going to have his. And if you don't watch the news, what in the world? It's not, I can't blame Trump anymore. Well, you know, with Trump, violence is up. Nope. In the last four months, 
violence, gun, gun violence and homicides have gone up over 30% in this new administration. So it ain't about who's in the White House. It's about the devil knows his time is short and he is out there raging and we need to be battling back in prayer. Pray God to let his peace be on that parking lot so next time some crazy little nerd that got bullied in high school that don't have any friends wants to come in and shoot up a joint will change his mind. Uh, we've seen them here. We've seen them here. Security, security is identified. We, we get these people. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. You, you see somebody walk in here 90 degrees outside. Listen, if your skin is whiter than mine, I don't trust you already. Not because I'm against white people, but get out in the sun every now and then. <laughs> Crawl out your mama's basement. I'm busy studying. The Bible says I got to give myself to prayer and study the word. You, I see these people. I finally asked one of them one time. How do you get so pale? Because you're whiter than me, and I'm the whitest man on the planet. And this dude told me that they all put baby powder on their face so they look like corpses. Okay? So let me tell you what. You see some dude whiter than, a, whiter than me. I don't know. Even, he can be brown, black, whatever it is. He walks in this church. If it's 85 degrees outside, he's got on a full-length trench coat. We already got him identified. We, we had a guy come in here. Some, most of y'all didn't even see him. I, I had to finally get somebody. <laughs> Elder Keon's pointing at him. We had that guy come in here. Dude had two jackets on, a hoodie, and was wearing a backpack. I'm looking at everybody, and I'm giving them this. Pray for God's peace to be where you go. I'm not saying do it out of fear, but I'm saying do it before it hits the fan. Why you want your business to be the next one on CNN? Why, why you want your restaurant to be the next one on CNN? Why you want your neighborhood to be the next one on CNN? You got to pray. Ask God's peace on it. Then number two, fellowship. Verse 7 says, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place. Doing what? Eating and drinking what they provide? Hang out with people. Get to know people. Now, now listen, this don't mean if they're serving Hennessy, get drunk. <laughs> what Jesus says, he always says in context with everything else he said. And he already said don't get drunk. This ain't saying just, oh, well, you know, I'm just trying to build relationships with these lost people, so I'm hanging out at the bar with them. No, the Bible says not to do that. The Bible says to withdraw yourself from everyone that walks disorderly. You can't be doing that. It's not saying to hang out with them, but what it is saying is get to know them. Some of y'all don't even talk to the people on y'all's job because you're holy and they're sinners. Listen, you was a sinner before you was holy, and you're still a sinner now. We got to learn how to build relationships with people, accept their hospitality. Fellowship. We got to begin to open up. Where, where, I'm going to give you a perfect example. Y'all probably don't go to as many convenience stores as I do. Um, but there's, there, you know, there's a 99-cent Polar Pop to be grabbed somewhere. And I'm going to be pulling in getting it. How about this? You can pay $1.99 for a 16-ounce Dr. Pepper in a bottle, 
or you can get a Polar Pop 44 ounces for 79 cents. You know where I'm at. I'm at the kangaroo. Y'all might not hit three convenience stores a day like I do, but when, yeah, that's it. That's, I ain't doing no suicide drink, though. I'm, I'm just straight on my, uh, I'm, I'm getting what I came to get. But you might not go to as many kangaroo stores in a day, Circle K's in a day, as I do, 7-Elevens, but when you're at the gas pump, when you're at the line in Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, wherever you go, can you open your mouth and say something hospitable? Well, I'm in a hurry. Well, thank God Jesus took time to do what God called him to do for us. I want you to learn how to start talking to people. I'm so mad at God bless you. I don't even say God bless you to my kids. My kids sneeze. I don't even look at them. <laughs> Pastor Scott. Listen, study, study the history of that, and you'll stop saying it, too. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Say it all you want to. People need to hear God bless you. But the frustrating thing to me is I have seen this so many times. I'll be standing in a bank line. Everybody's just standing there like this. No one talking, nobody being friendly, everybody acting like they're scared and mad to be there. One person on the other side of the bank will sneeze. Three people. God bless you. I'm thinking, you ain't getting on God bless you to me. I'm over here, broke back, broke neck, old, tired. I can't get a God bless you. I got to sneeze to get God bless you out your mouth to me. Why are people so willing to say, God bless you, on a sneeze, but they won't just look at you and say, God bless you, man, and just keep walking? Well, they'll think I'm crazy. He didn't sneeze. Well, let them think you're crazy. You're asking something good for them, and what you make happen for others is going to happen to you. You need to start blessing people on the regular. You need to start asking God bless you on people as you go by them. And you need to, you need to fellowship. You need to speak to folks. Third thing you need to do is meet their felt needs. Jesus said in verse 9 to heal the sick. Heal the sick. He sent them out and he told them to heal the sick. Now why did he say heal the sick and not fix their tractors? They didn't have tractors. So they didn't need you to fix that. Why didn't he say uh, go out and... Fellowship with them, get to know them, and, you know, work, work uh, and change the oil in, in their truck. Why not? They didn't have trucks. They didn't need you to change the oil in their truck. They didn't need you to rake their yard. They didn't live in subdivided yards where you get notes on your door if you don't keep your leaves raked up. What they had in that time was a lot of sick people. See, it's, it's not just about going out to heal the sick. It's about going out to help them where they have a need. You walk past people that have a need and you don't help them, then, then, then you're hurting the plan that the Lord put into place. If they're hungry, feed them. If they're lonely, love them. If, if they're walking up to a door, hold the door open for them. And then look at them and say, God bless you. If, if, if they bring you food... Uh, give them a good tip. I mean, look for ways to be a blessing. This is the process we see. Ministry is about meeting needs. You don't have to have a preaching gift to minister. You don't have to have a teaching gift to minister. You can minister to somebody by giving them a smile as you walk by them. Because I'm going to promise you this. 
They need that. They need that. I'm, I'm about tired of this not hugging each other in church anymore. People need that. We, 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 we need connectivity. Smile at people. Be a blessing. Meet their needs. Fourth thing and I'm done. Proclaim the kingdom. He said, after you've done these things, tell them. Tell them. After you've hung out with them, after you've prayed, after you have asked God's blessing into their life, after you've met their needs, if they were sick and healed them, then tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Then declare to them the truth of God's word. We need to start implementing this strategy everywhere we go. We need to start implementing this strategy and doing what God has called us to do. We, we need to talk. Listen, hear this and I'm done. We need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. Here's what we've done for, for, forever as churches. We bring strangers into church and we preach at them and nobody's blessed them nobody's prayed for them nobody's talked to God for them nobody's helped them where they're hurting we start with number four and then we hope to get to fellowship on cards night well we need to start with number one and then number two and then number three we need to ask God's blessing on them to begin with we, 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 need, we need to talk to them, fellowship with them, get, get to know them. We need to minister to them and then declare God's word to them. I've been telling people for years, you're not going to reach your unsaved family members by Bible beating them, by preaching at them. You just fall in love with Jesus and you'd be a better you. They'll see a change in you and they'll want it for themselves. If the church, I heard a preacher say, say it this way one time, and man, I believe there's a lot of truth in it. The reason why most people don't go to church, they already been to church. They didn't like what they saw. But if they could go to a church where people were, not even that they knew it, where people were just sitting in the pew saying, God, let your peace be on that family. God, would you let your peace be on that young man? God, would you just please let your peace be on that woman? You think it'd make a difference? If you don't, you don't really know God well. We start with preaching the kingdom, and then we try to get backwards on it. Jesus laid out this plan. He told us very clearly how to do it. We got to start praying. He's, the first thing he said is pray. I'd love to see all of Jacksonville show up to churches this week in repentance, giving their heart to God. Getting saved. Some of you feel that way too. You'd love to see some people get saved, but are you willing to pray for them before they show up in a church? Are you willing to pray for them where they are? Well, they just need to quit drinking and smoking and cussing and whoring and, and get right with God and get, get on into church. That's backwards. That's backwards. We need to start praying for people before we ever even talk to them about God. During the Holy Wars, uh, one, one, one uh, man, I forget the guy's name. One, uh, one preacher had a bunch of people, and they were going town to town, converting everybody to Jesus. And he told them, as they got to the edge of the city, he said, go in 
and win everyone in this town to Christ. And use words if you must. Think about it. Show them. Love them. Let them see. Show them something that they're going to want. Don't just go preach at them. Jesus didn't tell these 72 people to go preach at folk. He said, pray before you go. You need to start praying for the people you work with. You need to start praying for the people in your home. You need to start praying for the people in your community. You need to start praying for people everywhere you go. That God would bless them before you ever try to Bible beat them and pour truth down their neck. We got to talk to God about these people before we talk to these people about God. See, our strategy has been, well, I'm just going to invite so-and-so to church and let, and let Pastor Scott preach at them. Well, have you asked God to bless them first? Have you done for them what you can do for them? Have you worked on being nice to them? This is the strategy of the Lord, and this is where we need to start going deeper, and we need to fish on this side of the boat to do what God has called us to do. We got to start reaching one that can reach one that can reach one. There was an old campaign that was called Each One Can Reach One. And if you would just really start praying for one somebody, now you want to pray for your whole school, do that. You want to pray for your whole company, do that. You want to pray for your whole neighborhood, that's awesome. But find somebody that you can start this fourfold strategy with. Find somebody that you can pray for. Find somebody that you can ask God to start blessing. Well, why would I ask God to bless them? They're out there whoring. Because they need Jesus. And it's the goodness of the Lord that leads to repentance. It's not your criticism, your negativity, and your religion that's going to change the world. It's the grace of God. Start praying for somebody. Start asking God to bless somebody. Start being nice to them. Do something kind for them. And then you'll be shocked how easy it is to talk to them about God. You see, when somebody comes to you on the job and says, there's something different about you. I've been watching you. What, 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 are, you, are, you a, are you are you one of the born agains? Are you a, when somebody asks you to share your faith with them, it's on a whole different level than you just being the weirdo on the job, walking by people you've never said hello to and telling them they need to repent. No, that's not getting anybody. I told y'all, when I was lost, growing up in Jacksonville, Jacksonville used to be a music mecca. Every group came through Jacksonville. We had the greatest concert scene in Jacksonville in the 70s, any city in America. It didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter from Elvis Presley to Elton John, the Who, the Rolling Stone. It didn't matter. Everybody came through Jacksonville, and I was in that concert life, and there was this one crazy lady that was at every concert, and we just called her the crazy lady. She was out of holiness movement. I got no problem with holiness movement, but, you know, that's no makeup, hair to the floor, dresses to the floor. That's just a weird look. I ain't mad at them. It's just a weird look, uh, and I love long hair, but this lady was crazy, and she, she wouldn't talk to anybody. She went out there trying to be nice. She went out there offering free prayer. She went out there offering, uh, you know, a bottle of water because, well, we didn't have bottled water in the 70s. How about that? <laughs> but she had these signs, and they had flames licking up off the bottom of the poster board. And on one side, it said, repent or perish. And on the other side, it said, turn or 
this is people's view of evangelism. You really think a 16-year-old unsaved drug dealing uh, drunk like Scott Becker walking up to a Van Halen concert, to a Rush concert, to a Charlie Daniels concert, to a Styx Foreigner concert. You really think I'm walking up there looking at this lady? I've just been smoking a joint in my car. You think I walk up past this long-haired woman, no makeup, hair to the floor, dressed to the floor, looking at me, scowling at me, turn or burn. You think that just pricked my heart to fall in love with Jesus? It made me want, no, I ain't even going to get into that. It did not work. Now, if she would have came up there and if she had prayed before she got there, and if she had just been asking God to bless everybody that she saw, God bless, bless, bless this teenage boy right here. He looks crazy. Then if she'd have been nice to me, maybe I'd have listened to what she had to say. Can you see the difference? Starting with turn or burn is not reaching anybody. Starting with hell's hot and eternity long is not reaching anybody. Let's take this fourfold strategy and let's reach our world for Christ. So here's the recap. I'm going to let you go. Start praying for people. Start praying for people that they would be saved. Start praying for people. Prayer is the umbrella. And then you got the fourfold strategy. Start asking God to bless them. Everywhere you go. You just ride on the street. Do it on the way home. You get out on Georgetown, off this parking lot, ask God, God, please bless everybody on Georgetown Drive. You get on the Firestone, ask God, God, just please bless everybody that lives on Firestone Drive. You get on 103rd Street, just ask God. And some of y'all looking at me like, Whatever. Somebody's going to do it because I'm going to do it. And I'm asking you to do it with me. You go to eat somewhere today, ask God to bless the people in that restaurant. Because if they're saved, it's going to be a blessing to them. And if they're lost, it's going to be a blessing for them. We need to start asking God's blessing everywhere we go. Then we need to be nice to people, fellowship with people, open your mouth, talk to people at the gas pump. If you don't do anything to say, how's it going, man? That kindness could change their life. You see, they need, you see, they have a struggle. You see, they have a need. You see somebody holding a whole bunch of stuff, try, trying to get in a car. How are you going to not stop what you're doing and walk over? You see somebody drop. I see people drop stuff and folk just walk by and look. I thought, you're just wicked all day. You're just gonna you're just gonna see somebody drop all that stuff. You're not gonna stop it. Well, I'm busy. No, you think you're important. Start helping people. Start meeting needs. Ministry is about meeting needs. I've told y'all I'm done. I've told y'all this. I'm gonna get out of here. But I, it's always in my. Mind. I see you walk across trash in our church parking lot. You don't stop picking. Ain't my job to pick it up. Get involved in being helpful. This is how we change our world. This is how we reach people for Christ. Then after we've done all those things, they're going to want to hear what we have to say. I believe God can change our world. And he wants to use us to partner with him to do it. Get involved. 
in this fourfold strategy. Start being nicer, more helpful, asking God's blessing on people. Starts with prayer. Start praying more. Ask God to give you wisdom. Ask God to send more workers so that we can reach more souls for Christ. I want you to finish well. I want you, wherever you've been, however you've done, up until this point, I want you to start from right now and make a decision that says, I am going to finish my life well. I'm going to do what Jesus told me to do. And start by praying more for people to get saved and at least do that first step. Start asking God everywhere you go. Please, God, let your blessing be on this place. Please bless the people that live on my street. Watch what God will do. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for teaching us how to change our world. God, I thank you for instruction. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, God, that you would help us to do what you've called us to do. Help us, God, to love people more. Help us, God, to, to pray more, to do more good things for people so they can hear us when we talk to them about you. We love you, God. We believe you're the only way. You're the truth. You're the life. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use us for your glory. God, our world needs you. There's so much bad going on, Lord. There's so much hurt. There's so much pain. People are getting killed. People are getting no justice. People are hurting. Lord, I pray, God, that you would send revival to America. God, I pray, Lord, that you would send your spirit to blow through this city, this state, and this country, and this world, God, where people would turn to you in true repentance, where people would turn to you and find meaning in life and purpose and salvation. Thank you, God, for your spirit. I ask you, Lord, to fill us with your spirit. Take us deeper, God. Let us go out into deeper water. Let us pray more and worship you more. Let us cast our net on the other side, God. Let us do things that we haven't done in a while for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.